Well, folks, it is Christmas time, and we are here to finally discuss the Queen of Christmas herself, Mariah Carey. I'm Charlie. And I'm Corey. And this week, we will be discussing Mariah Carey's 1994 Christmas album, Merry Christmas, a very obviously well-known album. You all probably know at least half of the songs off of it if you, uh, you know, listen to Christmas music on the radio. This is definitely a staple of that and playlists and all that good stuff and um it, it it's my christmas album pick because i got to go to her merry christmas one and all tour when it came to baltimore so i'm excited to share some uh, of the fun that went into that as well as discussing the album it's kind of crazy this is the first time we've discussed mariah on this show uh I, going through it i was thinking the same thing like man this is another one where figure we would have already started talking about her back in the day but nope not yet this is no. our first mariah joint no not yet uh, i'm kind now that i'm thinking of it, it's like i'm shocked i haven't but uh i better late than never and okay. <laughs> this was the perfect timing i think to do it a good intro into the world of miss mariah carey <laughs> yeah man yeah man i'm so glad to hear that show was awesome it had to be a good one. The Queen of Christmas. Yes, though, a um, true full production. A lot of songs from this album, her second Christmas album, and even some of her uh, classic hits that are not Christmas songs, but she's got a lot of them. Got to hear classics like Always Be My Baby, Dream Lover, We Belong Together, Hero, all the classics. It was a fantastic show, and I'm going to talk a bit more about that, but but uh, before we do that, I guess we'll go back to um, 1994 with this album um, yeah, being released. Uh, I was not alive yet, but you know, this is one of the Christmas CDs that my parents did own. So this is one that I definitely grew up with because of that. Yeah, this was everywhere. I mean, this was the Christmas album. I remember it on all the walls of Sam Goody. Like, it was everywhere. For a, for a long time, actually, it felt like. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely... um, It sold very well back then. Uh, though, I mean, her... All of her out, it was just par for the course, it seems, for a Mariah Carey album to have sold well at this point in time. I mean, Music Box was, like, the number two-selling album of all of 1994, and this didn't even sell as much as that. So wow. she was just on a roll at this point in time commercially. Um, but uh, yeah, with 1994, she was in her music box cycle. That was her third album with the classic hits Dream Lover and Hero, um, both huge. Got to hear them both live, too. Um, but uh, yeah, the album was announced in October 1994, and uh, it was for the Christmas season. And uh, it was actually considered kind of an interesting move for somebody to do in the prime of her career, because a lot of times Christmas albums are thought of as like contract fulfillment, like I'm doing this because the record company told me to. Uh, and Mariah Carey was somebody many times thought of as an industry puppet at this point in her career. This was not helped by the fact that she was at this point in time married to the president of Columbia, Tommy Mottola. Now, of course, years later, she has shed light on the 
details of the marriage and how truly abusive and controlling Mr. Matola was. All of that's um, featured in her memoir, The Meaning of Mariah Carey, which I highly recommend. Not sponsored, but I do highly recommend it. It's a fascinating read. Um, and deeper than you would think a celebrity memoir would be, actually. It really goes deep, but a lot of light is shed into the marriage, but she really actually did want to do this Christmas music. This was a way for her to express her spirituality and belief in God through her music. And this was, that was really the only way within this, in her circumstance that she could really do so as the mainstream cash cow pop star she was being promoted as within the label. And uh, I mean, it was a battle for her to even do the music that she really wanted to do. This was one of her victories at that at this point in time, actually. Wow, like a, a really nice breath of fresh air from having to listen to everybody else. That's cool. I didn't know that. And I can see a little bit more of why, maybe why the song selections are what they are, because she's really just doing her. I like that. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so the album we got... 10 songs on it, and most of them were produced with her main collaborator of the decade, Walter of Nyasef. He co-wrote, if there was a hit Mariah Carey ballad in the 90s, good chances are he was the co-writer and or producer of it. And um, amongst that, though, they wrote a few new original tunes, which um, wasn't uncommon for a Christmas album, but it was something that was I think going to keep everybody uh, interested to hear what was coming next and made it feel more than just a Christmas album, but more of a proper follow-up because there were new songs on the album. And uh, the promotion went in pretty quickly. She did a concert and the original songs were all released as um, singles to different radio stations uh, in different formats. Each of the original tunes had came in a different style so they went to different formats which was a pretty neat way of doing it but uh of course little did we know this would end up being the perennial holiday staple it sold well as expected um but yeah now it's sold over 15 million copies worldwide so it's like two or three in the highest selling ever worldwide um it's weird to me to think there were other, in the U.S., there were other CDs that more people bought more of, actually, than this. Yeah. But uh, it did happen, but this one continues to do really well in the streaming era, which hasn't happened with all of these 90s Christmas albums, like we discussed last week with Harry Connick Jr. That one hasn't translated as well to the streaming age. This one, it's much because of one particular song, but it has done well in the streaming age. Yeah, and, and we'll get to that song, but it's, it, in my opinion, it's got to be a lot because that song has become not only synonymous with Christmas, but then also just a marketing tool. Uh, it's been, it, ever since it came out, it's been on everything Christmas. <laughs> it's up there, man. It's wild, and we'll talk more about it, but it's up there in one of the most iconic Christmas songs of all time. Yeah, and I mean, it's 
topping the charts right now as we speak, like it does every year now because of changes in billboard methodology. It's able to do that. And so, yeah, there is that. Um, But yeah, the album just continues to do well overall every year. Um, It's classic for many. Uh, This was the, again, my parents didn't have a ton of Christmas CDs, but they did have this one. So... Um, and it was played enough that one of the songs on it even skipped a bit to my dismay um, on that original copy I had to buy my own. <laughs> oh, no. I-, I think I burned my own and then eventually I bought it because, yeah, this is a this one I play it every year. This is um, as much of a Christmas tradition for me as watching National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It just... <laughs> There you go. The season isn't complete without one full play of Merry Christmas for me. I heard that. But yeah, so, um, but you did tell me, Corey, that you had not heard this album all the way through before. Yeah, I I hadn't. Uh, I was actually, I won't even say pleasantly surprised, but just really surprised how many songs on this album I knew um it, it especially i mean not the one we were talking about but just the, you know out of the what there's three originals on here mm-hmm. i was surprised that that i knew two of them um and then i guess on the flip side of that i wasn't super surprised because once i saw the track list i was like well maybe i have heard this whole album through on the radio not even knowing you know that there this is one of the ones I I would say a rarity almost where almost all of these are radio staples. Oh yeah. yeah. At least here in Baltimore. Yeah. They don't have the Christmas playlist without this album. Like there are go-to versions of at least a couple of these songs I feel like around here are yeah. the ones here. And um well I think for good reason obviously cuz I can't go the holiday season without listening to them so <laughs> yeah obviously i'm thinking so but uh yeah with that all being said let's dive into it i'm excited to do this and finally talk about the queen of christmas as they call her <laughs> yeah man let's do it yeah yeah mrs claus eat your heart out <laughs> she's had to for the past 30 years almost so um sorry mrs claus <laughs> all right so the album begins with silent night um written by franz gruber we discussed uh this song before on our elvis episode um from last year which i see some of you are still listening to thank you for that uh because i enjoyed that episode of ours but um that version was not my favorite, and uh, not because of Elvis, just the arrangement itself didn't really do anything new with the song, uh, and this song's very frequently done. I made that clear last year. I'm not going to get into it again, but I do like this version a lot better than the Elvis one because um, it does do some things differently with the arrangement it has some little gospel and jazz flourishes in there and it's nothing to distract from the song and its message but it does help add to it and make this version stand out for me and of course um yeah the vocals are absolutely beautiful this is uh 
peak Mariah Carey vocals, 1994. And um, yet was produced by Loris Holland, who uh, went on to do music for the TV soap opera All My Children in the 2000s. He even won Emmys for it. But uh, I, I guess he used some organ flourishes like we hear on Silent Night on the soap opera. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I do enjoy this version of Silent Night. Yeah, I mean, to open a album, a Christmas album with Silent Night, it could go really wrong. And in this case, it goes the opposite way. It goes really right. Starts off with that little just light, straight piano. Um, and for me, I was like, OK, here we go. We're just a normal Silent Night. Why would you start an album off with it? But wow, she is, like you said, in peak form here right on point this is how you open it up and then we get that swing into gospel that you know with the jazz flourishes it's really really well handled and well put together and it sets it's wild to say but silent night really sets the tone the way it it's uh composed here for the rest of the album and i like that so do i uh yeah i do think in some ways it serves it is a full song, but it also serves just as a great intro period to it outside of it being a song. Um, I, I really think it sets everything off very well. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. Um, I really like this version of Silent Night. Maybe that's why I was so jaded by Elvis's. I'm like, well, I like this one too much. I'll... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The Elvis one was tough. Yeah. Just, yeah, musically boring, but uh, that's definitely not the description of our next song. Um, <laughs> folks, it's the one. You all know it. All I Want for Christmas is You. Um, Co-written with Walter of uh, Um, Again, most frequent collaborator at this point in time. Um, it was recorded in August of 1994, and uh, they wrote it in like 15 minutes, apparently. So, but um, she said that it would. They really wanted to do a Phil Spector style Christmas song, which yeah, definitely can hear that. Um, we've talked quite a bit about a Christmas gift for you. We haven't covered it, but its influence looms large over a lot of popular music and especially holiday music of the past now sixty years. Um, I mean Walter of Nysef said, "Quote." A lush bed of keyboards reminiscent of a small-scale wall of sound cushions the song's cheery rhythms while a soulful vocal chorus adds robust ooze, tension-creating counter-melodies and festive harmonies. Most notably, however, the song's jaunty piano chords and melody keep the song merrily bouncing along, unquote. Uh, yeah, straight man. from the man himself. This, the music theory of this song has been broken down a lot because the song's just been so omnipresent and it's not common for, it's become a bit more common, I think, but especially um, for a while for a more contemporary Christmas song to enter the canon, like this song has. Um, but yeah, now obviously tops the charts annually. It's become a meme like, oh, she's defrosting because <laughs> this song is so omnipresent every single year. Um, now, because it is so played uh, 
often. I thought the best way to say that, but I don't usually seek the song out at this point because there's no need to. It's on anywhere you go. I literally heard somebody playing it in my building the other day. One of my neighbors just playing the song. You don't have to seek it out, but I mean, it's a really infectious song and I love I mean, it is timeless. They really went out of their way to make a timeless sounding song. It doesn't sound trapped to its time. It still sounds great. Um, It's one, I'm definitely not going to change the channel if it comes on. It's definitely a highlight to hear during the Christmas season for me. Yeah, it's, I'll use the word inescapable. It's not that you have to not, you know, you don't have to seek it out. It's going to find you regardless. It is inescapable. It's everywhere. It's up there, man. It it became such an iconic beast. Yes, it's an earwig. Yes, it's beautifully produced. Uh, I, I'm not going to use cookie cutter here. It's just a cranked out, beautiful Christmas song. I wonder, listening to it critically, I wonder if, they automatically knew like, wow, we just wrote a new Christmas hit. I like to think they did because it's spot on. It, it's undeniably produced almost to perfection. There's no holes in it. Everything is there. You get that mini Phil Spector wall of sound type of deal here. And it, it really, it, it really works. It's, it's so cool. We talk about Christmas, you know, whenever we can. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Christmas uh, music junkie but this one man it, it's just wild to see when you see an original christmas tune pop up and stick like that it's it's like a it's like a haley's comet almost you you don't get it a lot of people try and this one it did it really did and uh and it hits on so many levels it's it is just it's iconic and timeless and it always will be <laughs> it's yeah. christmas it's christmas you know it is I will say one that it still is getting bigger every year, actually. Kelly Clarkson's Underneath the Tree. It hasn't overtaken this, but it's it's done some, it's stayed around 10 years after its release, which is an accomplishment for a new Christmas song. That's definitely. And a deserved one, too. I really enjoy that song as well. But um, yeah, and of course, this was the encore of the Mariah Carey Christmas concert. Oh yeah, I I, I I totally meant to ask you that, but I figured this was you got to end with this. There's no way you stick this in in the middle of the show. This is where yeah. everybody, especially with her Christmas show, this is what everybody came to hear. So this has to be your encore. That's right. cool to hear. My, my favorite was actually her like Nutcracker outfit she wore during it, very sparkly, of course. <laughs> okay, okay, there uh, you go. That was my favorite part of it. She's a beautiful lady. She's still beautiful. Yes, lady. she is. Yes, she is. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, not much more to say about all I want for Christmas is you, because you all know it. And try as you may, pretend to you don't hate it. <laughs> I mean, for real. I think yeah. it's a joke how it's inescapable, but people don't actually hate this song. No. I don't think. I think most people have a favorable opinion of the song. It's just been played a lot. Yeah, that's yeah. all. But uh, haters gonna hate. <laughs> haters are always gonna hate. Yes, they are. But um, 
Anyway, we're going to slow things down a little bit with our next song, which is one we discussed last week as well with Harry Connick Jr. Uh, he did Oh Holy Night. And um, yeah, I said I didn't love that version, but I'm just going to be honest. A big part of it was because of this version's existence. Because uh, um, I this to me is the definitive ho- Oh Holy Night. I don't want to hear about another version of the song. I just don't. Um, Because obviously the vocals are perfect. It's even the best usage of her signature whistle notes on the album. I think they're really perfectly placed here. Um, It's like Silent Night. There's a bit of soul gospel to this arrangement. And it helps the song come alive. But it doesn't distract from the simplicity of the song's message, which is what she wants you to focus on here. And um, yeah, I this one is pretty popular too, I think, on the radio. I haven't listened to much Christmas radio this year, but it does well in the streams, it looks like, as it should, because uh, I, I said my piece. Doesn't get better than this when it comes to Oh Holy Night. Yeah, her vocals really drive this for me. In a critical ear, the gospel that we get here is a tad bit contrived if i'm nitpicking and going through the composition uh in my opinion but you cannot deny this song because she is at the top of her game it's really well done and like you said you get those whistle notes you get full mariah carey here and it's not that i'm searching for this album to fall flat at this point but I would think that Oh Holy Night would be a one that has the propensity to, and this one does not. I mean, she, you were talking about her doing her own stuff. You can really, or in my opinion, I think you can really tell how much she loves this and how much she's into it. And that really goes across and, and elevates this album because she's having fun. Yeah, she definitely feels really strongly about these songs that she's singing, whether she wrote them or not. So yeah. that's a big part of why I think this all works so well as a complete body of work. It's not just an obvious cash grab here. But um, yeah, it is kind of odd to have that. Like we go from a start with a slow song, go to a fast one, go to a slow one, and now we're going to go to another fast one. But uh, they're they're making it work so far but um let's hope that they can with our next track which is christmas baby please come home we discussed this one not too long ago as well on the share christmas episode um and there i said this is one of my very favorite christmas songs Uh, it was originally by darling love on the aforementioned specter album i did say then that i preferred this to the original which might be a hot tea take um amongst the purists out there but it's just a, it's a very faithful arrangement to the original. And I just prefer Mariah Carey's vocals to Darlene Loves. It's just a personal preference here. Um, and I mean, they already showed her and Walter of Nice that they can do that Phil Spector sound the justice with All I Want for Christmas is You. And they did it again here. And, uh, that's just kind of what we want. Um, and I think it's in her wheelhouse. And again, this is a song that has a bit of pathos to it. So that allows her to really 
dive into the emotion of the song. Uh, I mean, this was an early song that she did in the show, and I was very happy to hear it, of course. Um, I mean, I can't, hard to think of a bad version of this song, but this one's my favorite of Christmas Baby Please Come Out. Yeah, she knocks it out of the park. I mean, you've got that reminiscent of the E Street Band sound behind her, and it's very faithful, but I'm with you. Her, she's she's batting a thousand right here, and her vocals on this, again, are top-notch, and it's hard, almost impossible to deny the the caliber of, of this of this cover it's it's really really well done this is one of the tracks like i was we were talking about earlier that has taken over as the definitive version of this this is the one you hear whether you know it or not all over the place and rightfully so again talking about pacing talking about where we're at here on the album track four and she's still knocking it out of the park it's this is a rarity, man. I know we don't get to do Christmas albums all the time, but for anyone who enjoys and has gone through the gamut of of Christmas albums, it's rare that you're getting a full on, so far front to back album with no misses. Yeah, most definitely. And um, but if you want to keep hearing no misses, please be sure to, before we move on to the next part of the album, subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Turntables and Tea Podcast. And also, of course, leave us a nice rating and review. That would be much appreciated. I, I wanted to say that before we move into um what's probably the most melancholy tune on the album. We're going to get a bit bit sad here with uh, track number five, Miss You Most at Christmas Time. That's the parenthetical title. Um, so this is our second original song, and uh, it's a ballad. Um, again, with Walter of Nicep, uh Mariah and him wrote a lot of ballads in the 90s before and after this one. Uh, I mean, whether you liked it or not, a lot of people did respond to it, and they liked those... I mean, they made a lot of hits doing this. I mean, one of the biggest hits of 1994 was their very own Hero. This is not that kind of song where it takes on a very different um, uh, tone. I mean, it's a standard ballad. It just happens to have some holiday-themed lyrics. It's probably the least Christmas song on the album, if that makes sense. At least to me. But I... I happen to like the ballads that they write, and they wrote a lot of great ones after this, too, and I enjoy this one. I also like that any Christmas song that acknowledges how lonely the holidays can be, I think, is important because uh, it, it's not always the most wonderful time of the year. That's all I'm saying. It, it can be tough. It can be lonely for some. Uh, we don't know everyone's situation, so I'm glad that she went into that and i think it's perfectly placed after baby please come home because they uh take on the same feeling but with different musical backing uh this when i first heard this i thought how was this not a single but it turns out it actually kind of was there was a video made for it and uh, it was sent to uh r&b stations 
while all I want for Christmas is you was sent to top 40 stations. Um, I mean, unfortunately, I think that was just a case of you you send all these singles out at the same time, the different formats won one out. And the obvious one was the winner. But uh, I still really enjoy this song. Yeah, it's a cool song. It As stacked up against the rest, it falls a tad flat. But it's not a bad song. It's just in its composition, it's very, use the word standard, and I think that, is is a great word to describe the way that this composition is again and i'll probably say this another million times before we're done when she's at her peak really there's nothing you can't put her on top of that isn't going to shine and that stands true here as well where another artist on this i feel like this song would be tossed to the side she really carries it and and makes it relevant on this album because i'm with you it's probably the least christmasy uh tune on here being an original i won't say it gets a pass but it gets a nod there from me and so you know i'm like okay this makes sense and again she can sing her butt off so <laughs> you know you get those beautiful tones here this is if if there was any skips on the album, which I so far there hasn't been, but if I had to pick one, it would probably be this. It's just it doesn't get me in the Christmas mood like I like to be. But it's it's a it's a great song. Uh, it's it's a good song. It's not a yeah. great song, but it's a good song, and it's set here correctly. Yeah, I mean, I will say, even though I really like the song a lot, she didn't do it at the show, and I wasn't mad that she did because it would have been out of place. Yeah. It's that simple. It just would have been. But in terms of for when this album was released at this point in Mariah Carey's career, I think it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I will I will definitely give it that. But we are we are not going to stay in seasonal depression ballad mode for long. We are we are moving on to a Christmas Carol. We, this is the fifth Christmas album we've done, and this is a standard that we haven't discussed yet. Heard. Which uh, it's it's getting rarer to find, but we did it here uh, with a uh, joy to the world. Um, this song dates back to 1719, and uh, it was written by the English minister Isaac Watts, based on Psalm 98. But the more common arrangement that's used partially here was written by Lowell Mason in 1848. Um, he's he's credited as a writer of the song here, along with George Frederick Handel, because um, uh, of a similarity to one of his compositions, but they're thought to be kind of coincidental and not that substantive. But he's credited here, so I thought I would mention it. But this is not a straight reading of Joy to the World, because the other writer credited is... Hoy Axton, who wrote the song Joy to the World by Free Dog Night, which was a number one hit in the early 70s. So we get an incorporation of two songs of the same name, and Mariah Carey turns them into a dance banger. Um, And I absolutely love it. I think it's genuinely joyous. That's the most important aspect of this and i think in many like when you hear joy to the world at church or whatnot 
it's very standard, very slow. Uh, I don't, not every version I've heard of it's all that joyous, but it is <laughs> very celebratory here. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's also my surprise, surprise. This is my favorite version of Joy to the World. I'm sure you're all shocked to hear me say that, but uh, it definitely is. And this actually was remixed by um, club DJs in 1995 uh and it reached the top 40 in australia at that point in time but um yeah and of course the vocals are absolutely incredible i love the choral elements uh another big winner for me yeah and they waste no time i mean she's right on i think it's the second second she is already singing joy to the world i like that because with it being 417 track length and to get that dance element in there, I like that she opened up with a traditional little version of it and then took it into that 90s dance. I, hot tea take from me, I don't think it ages that well, but it's maybe it's just the way that beat hits. It seems a little antiquated. When it came out in 94, it was the perfect club beat there. Um, it's it's really, it's, again, it's produced awesome. It's composed awesome. And she's top, she's killing the game. Um, it, it It is a tad bit contrived, but it's just that beat that I, that sometimes I can't get over. It's, it's a very, I haven't used this word and I, I didn't really plan on it, but it's a, a bit of a cookie cutter dance beat like just a, like a filler beat um but it doesn't matter it, it, it's it's the case of this album where even the missteps that i feel that are few and far between but the missteps here musically it doesn't matter because she's singing over top of it this is a cool one i i won't say it's my favorite joy to the world but it's a really good one yeah i do kind of hear what you're saying about the dance beat, I mean, it's pretty clear that her uh, co-producer here, that wasn't really his wheelhouse. It was mostly <laughs> the ballads for him. A lot of her more upbeat songs were produced oftentimes by hip-hop producers. Um, and so, yeah, I will say this is definitely, and it doesn't use like a sample like a lot of her other dance, the hits that she made of the 90s. So I don't think this is as timeless as like, dream lover or definitely not as travels as fantasy um <laughs> but uh yeah bit bit closer to like someday from the first album <laughs> very of its time but i to me that's part of the charm of it uh timeless no but i still enjoy it and um it, the thing is it didn't even change that much when she did it it was still a similar beat but it she carries the song, so yeah. I'm glad they didn't try to like modernize it too much, because that could have fallen flat too. I think possibly. Most definitely. Yes, but uh, with that being said, um, even though she definitely made "Joy to the World" her own, we are now on to another original track, track number seven, "Jesus Born on This Day." Um. This one was sent to Christian and Gospel Stations as a single, which uh, 
I, I mean, I can see that based on the lyrical content a bit more so than the musical content of the song. Um, I mean, message-wise, it's not super different from, like, Silent Night or Oh Holy Night. She's treading that same water for me. And uh, because of that, actually, this wasn't really much of a highlight for me, because it's like we did these standards that um covered this well. This isn't really doing anything new with that. But this is the one that got elevated for me big time at the concert because she actually sang this song as a duet with her daughter, Miss Monroe, as she introduced her. Um, which makes sense. There's a children's choir on this song um, in its recorded form. But I actually did think it was a genuinely touchy moment of the show. Uh, and it was very sweet to hear them doing it as a mother and daughter. And so now hearing the song, I enjoy it a bit more. It's a lovely composition in its own right, even though it's very clearly inspired by other tunes. Uh, but it's not one of the more popular ones here. It's like the second least streamed tune here. And I can kind of see why it's not, uh, it doesn't get up to the same level as other tunes. But I do think that it's a good, uh, it's a good spiritual song. It's a hard thing to write at this point in the game with these songs that have been around for centuries. And it is better than the spiritual song that she did on the second Christmas album, um, One Child. I will take it over that one. So for what it is, I appreciate it. Yeah. This one's tough for me. I just feel like it never really gets off the ground and almost doesn't know who it is. And it, I'm the real reason, and I'm glad you touched on it because I thought it was me, it just seems like it was really trying to get out of these tropes of the of these classic Christmas songs and got stuck in there. And I feel like that, for me, is the reason why it doesn't have as much personality as the rest of this album. And it's sort of, it, it, it loses itself here. Um, it, I, that's really my whole feeling on it. it. It's, it's there. It's not terrible, but I just feel like it doesn't exactly know who it is as far as the song goes. And I can see it going to Christian um, radio. I can see it serving its purpose there knowing how much or finding out how much she loved this and it was you know her her baby so to speak her passion project i i give it a little bit of a pass there but for me maybe a hot tea take maybe not this is the weakest song on the album i don't think that's really a hot tea take uh, yeah <laughs> probably not an uncommon one um i mean it i i could say that but i'm actually not going to um mine actually might be a bit surprising what i consider the weakest here but uh we're not there we're not going to talk about that quite right this second um but that is enough about jesus board on this day i don't have a ton more to add to it um but next up we are going to go back into after a couple of the sacred songs we're going to go back to the more secular christmas with um Santa Claus is Coming to Town, which is a song we previously discussed on our Jackson 5 episode, uh, but this is one of over 
200 versions of Santa Claus is coming to town, but I feel like this is the one you hear pretty often, though. This one gets rotation each year, I think. But um, this one that uses the Phil Spector arrangement from his album, this version was recorded by The Crystals. Um, Yeah, I think this is the hot tea take. I'm going to say this is my least favorite on the album, actually. And it's not because it's a bad version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. It's that I feel like all of these other songs have uh, it. We've heard all the originals and most of the covers do something new with the song that we haven't heard before. And I at least haven't really heard since. Uh, Not baby Christmas, baby, please come home. That also was Spectre like this one. But that worked better for me because that the song just had, again, that pathos to it where she could really sink into it and sing the heck out of it. This one, not quite as much. This feels like a bit of a record company mandate. It's like, you gotta do Santa Claus is Coming to Town. It's perfectly well sung, but I don't think that her vocal here has the passion of any of the other songs on the album. And um, it definitely felt, the record company mandate feels stronger to me because this is one of the most popular songs on the album streaming wise but she did not sing it live at the show it was used as an interlude and in a different arrangement she used the jackson five arrangement um for the interlude which i think worked well for her voice because that's also a soulful arrangement and it worked for a show that heavily featured her kids at times but yeah i don't know i also just at this this one for me, it's kind of oddly placed at this point in the album. It would have worked better in the front half, in my opinion. Uh, usually the change from slow to upbeat song hasn't bothered me here, but uh, this one falls a bit flat for me. It's not, I don't hate it, but it doesn't connect with me like the other songs do. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's... It's a weird composition. It starts off with a lullaby. Uh, go to sleep, go to sleep. And it's like, why? Why are we doing that? You're trying to put me to sleep. I'm with you earlier on in the album. I feel like it had a better place here. It just seems out of place. Um, it. I I don't say it's my least favorite because she she sings it okay and, and it sits maybe it's just the fact that it's Santa Claus is coming to town and uh, <laughs> you know we're so used to it but it definitely doesn't evolve this this song it definitely doesn't take it to a new place like you said it is uh, you know I love the conspiracy there of this was a mandate because she if you look at it she really is singing this less than any other song on the album and that's pretty wild to think that this was the one where she was like yeah whatever i'll do this on the eight track um yeah a weird composition for me on this one not terrible but not not my fave yeah definitely reeks a bit of okay tommy matola i'll, I'll sing the song if you want me to i'll give you this of course of course <laughs> definitely reeks of that sadly but um w- uh fortunately um, we we are not going to stay in that cookie cutter place. I don't think. Um, 
because now we are on to uh, track nine, actually, our penultimate track, sadly. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe we're almost at the end of the album. That makes me <laughs> so sad. Uh, but this is, um, it's a medley, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing and Gloria in Chelsea's Deo. So Hark the Herald Angels Sing dates back to 1739. <laughs> and, um, but the arrangement used here, there's a lot of different versions of this song. Uh, it was written by William Heyman Cummings in 1855, and he adapted it from uh, Felix Mendelssohn's Fetzgis song. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I'm sorry if you're a German speaker and I butchered your language, <laughs> but I did my best here. But uh, it's not known who wrote Gloria, which is uh, perhaps better known as Angels We Have Heard on High, but she doesn't do that full song um but i love that she does both songs because she doesn't really change either of these songs a ton arrangement wise but the novelty is putting them together and i think that was really smart because these are again these are sacred songs we don't want to change them around too much they're tried and true very meaningful to the listener um so I think it was smart of hers. Like, I'm going to make these songs my own, but I'm also not going to alienate anybody. I'm going to toe that line. And I think she did it pretty brilliantly here. And once again, vocals, vocals, vocals. She sounds sublime on it. And again, this is especially coming out of Santa Claus is coming to town. You can really tell that she feels these words that she is singing. Um uh, this was actually, though, crazy enough, this was her concert opener, which is okay. <laughs> kind of a bold choice, but it actually worked really well. It was a beautiful start to the show. Um, even if it's a slower song, it really kind of like this album started out with a slower song, but she didn't do the same thing. That's part of creating the unique experience of the show as well. But um. Yeah, this is another big winner for me. I really enjoy this mashup of two sacred classics. Yeah, vocals, vocals, vocals is right there. I mean, really well done. But also placement, man. This being the penultimate, it's such a beautiful version of both of these. They're right in the same key, and, and she flawlessly goes uh, from one to the other. Really, really well done. Placed perfectly, and it gets you... It's that wind down type of song as far as Christmas songs go, um, more of a hymnal uh, or a, more of a hymn based song. And I, I really enjoy it. She kills she kills it here. I, I, I feel like I'm on repeat with this, but this is really such a beautifully sung album. There's a reason why it sold so many. It's not just because everybody wants to buy it for all I want for Christmas is you. It's for these songs here, these reasons. It's really, really well done. Yeah, and I think even if you do at first for the one that you know, I think you'll just be surprised about, oh, she really does go deep into it. And I think that's so important because you hear so much about the commercialization of Christmas. And realistically, uh, if we're going to be honest, yes, a Christmas album is a part of that. All of this is a commercial enterprise, but she is also including the true meaning of Christmas in these songs as well. So it is deeper. You can look at it cynically, but this is really deeper 
it goes beyond just the cash grab. And I think songs like this really prove that point. I agree with you. Yeah. But um, now we're, oh, I can't believe it. We're at the end of the album, um, sadly, uh, with um, Jesus, Oh, What a Wonderful Child. This is listed as a traditional song, so no credited writer. Uh, had never heard this before this album. This is a not common um pick for a Christmas album. I even looked up other versions and a lot of it's like choirs and uh, just stuff. Not a lot of names that'll really stick out. The only one that I recognized that had done the song um was Patti LaBelle and she did it quite a bit after Mariah did. I'm thinking Mariah popularized this song <laughs> quite a bit. Um, But I'm really glad that she did. I think it's always good to have a less common Christmas song on an album and this is the song that should have been sent to the um, gospel stations because this is pure, full-on gospel. And um, I like that we have a Jesus song that's upbeat. A lot of the Jesus songs at Christmas are very slow. They're balanced. They're your silent nights. This is not, and I'm so happy that it's not. And um, it just builds and builds. The outro especially is amazing. She really gets really frenetic and she really takes us to church there. Um, yeah. But really, she sings these, I already, I, you, you'll hear this on other albums of hers where she will do a gospel influence song, if not a full on gospel track, but she sings this genre of music so well. Um, I mean, it's, you kind of have to hunt a bit for her to be singing these kind of songs, but you could make an EP's worth of uh, Mariah Carey gospel songs. This would definitely be on it. Um, but I really think she's in a special element when she does these songs. And uh, this is the least streamed song on the album, and that needs to change. Um, <laughs> ASAP, I love this tune. I love it. That's surprising that it's the least streamed or one of the least streamed because this is such a powerful song and it's a really great way to end not only this album, but a Christmas album period, because you've got this traditional, I'm with you. I had never heard it, but this is a church song and it's handled as a church song. She sings it like she's at mass on a Sunday. This is, and it, and it uplifts because of that. It's not, it's not a church song that was tried to, or they tried to reinvent. This is just a faithful, good old, happy, bring the choir with you and sing a good old church song to end it off. And it, 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 it crushes, it crushes. I'll be honest. And it's wild to say, but this one leaves me wanting more. It, it's like, man, this album's short, but, I think it's because it hits so hard at the end. It's like, wait a minute, that was the end of this album. Uh, this is it. What a great way to end an album. This was. Did she do this live? She did not. Sadly. Uh, yeah, but, man. This this it feels like a live song yeah. to me. You know. I I do forgive her though because she did do "Fly Like a Bird" live, which is. There you go. <laughs> I we might have to discuss that one another day, but um. Not a Christmas song, but a great song. Uh, so yeah, I did let that go. She gave me the gospel with that one. So I wasn't too angry that she didn't do this one. Um, but yeah, that is 
the end of the album, at least the standard edition, there was an international edition that contained a rendition of God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, but it's a bonus track more so than an actual album closer. It's only a minute and 19 seconds long. It's all acapella. It's it's a it's a it's a bonus track. <laughs> so uh, it's where it needs to be. It's not bad, but it's not essential. There was a deluxe anniversary edition of this released a few years ago. Um, that comes complete with a second disc, which is pretty cool. That contains live versions and remixes of a lot of these songs, as well as some other uh, Mariah original Christmas songs that came in the years after this album. So um, I would check that out if you want a bit more of this. You feel like you just need a bit more after the brief 40-minute runtime. You can you can get your fix of it. So I'm really glad that you can. Um, but uh, wow, that's crazy. The end of our Christmas journey here with Mariah Carey and our last Christmas album until next year. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Um. All right, this is kind of newish for you. What's your grade? <laughs> Mariah Carey, Christmas. I tell you, man, I. It's not that I didn't have high hopes. I just thought, eh, whatever. I, I, I'll, I have to apologize to her because I thought this was going to be a cookie cutter album, and it's far from it. She achieves not only a full, a fully realized Christmas album very successfully, but she does it with classics that, in my opinion, could have fallen flat on their face, and she takes them to the moon all the way through it's paced correctly i don't feel like there's really any missteps and it has become it, there are tracks on here that have taken over like we said and become the iconic versions but this is one of the most iconic songs ever and that is a feat i am giving this album an A. And I'm going to tell you, the only thing that I have to say is it would have got an A plus if she would have put Old Dirty Bastard on it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, a great Christmas album, and yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Old Dirty Bastard, uh, he, he came just a year later. He We got <laughs> him uh, when he told us they went back like babies and pacifiers. <laughs> yeah, man. Old Dirty doing like... It, it, I didn't say this and I meant to, but like she didn't do like Rudolph or Frosty and stuff like that. She really kept it classic and you can tell that there's love there. That's why this A was really easy for me on this one. Yeah. No, it's an A. For a Christmas album, it's an A plus, obviously, but uh, it's definitely an A as an album. I also can't, I, I can't even, I'm a pretty big Mariah fan. I can't say it's my favorite out of all her albums, but it's also... I don't really count it fully with hey. them because it's a different standard you have to hold it to. But again, I pretty much summed it up by saying I don't do the holidays without listening to this once through at least once. Um, Just doesn't feel right to me. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I need yep. it. All right. Uh, but... What's your favorite track on this bad boy? Um, well, so I'm not going to count All I Want for Christmas is You. I think kind of like we did with McCartney and uh, that album, and maybe I'm amazed. I think we got to put that in its own category because it exists 
it exists in the album, but it's also very well its own thing and outside of this. So, um, uh, yeah, with the not counting that, I am actually going to go with, uh, yeah, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. I almost said Jesus, Oh, What a Wonderful Child. I love that one, too, but it's it's Baby, Please Come Home. Yeah, Jesus, Oh, What a Wonderful Child is a great one, but I'm actually right with you on this. Baby, Please Come Home is almost perfectly done here. Actually, it is perfectly done. It is the version for me and definitely my favorite on the album. All right. We we are very in sync on this one with, uh, yeah, man. with Miss Mariah. But uh yeah, but uh anyway, for those of you listening, Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Thank you for supporting us throughout this year. Uh we've got season three of the show coming for you soon because we've got even even more to do. But uh to end our year off, uh, um we won't be ending it with a Christmas album because we did do a few albums released this in this year of 2023, but um, like we did last year, we wanted to hear your. We wanted to end the year by doing an album release this year because uh, that was well received when we did that last year. So we're gonna do it again, and but this time we did a poll, so we put out new um new releases from Kylie Minogue, The Rolling Stones, Lana Del Rey, and the Dave Matthews Band. Um. And we got support from our followers on all of these albums. Um, but there was a winner. Uh, there was a clear winner. And it was uh, the Dave Matthews Band and their most recent album, Walk Around the Moon. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it, this all could have gone any way because um, definitely different options. But I'm excited to do this one. Uh I actually I saw the Dave Matthews band live this year, so I definitely heard some of these songs at that show. So I'm really looking forward to discussing this one. And uh, it is um pretty different from their other releases, actually. But I think it'll be a good thing to discuss. Yeah, man, I, I was excited for any of them, but Dave always has a, a, a great place in my heart. Uh, maybe I owe an apology to him because, and this might be a mind blower here. I didn't listen to this album this year. So this will be a first all the way through for me, uh, which is cool. I haven't sat down with Dave in a while, so I'm excited to sit yeah. down and, and shoot this shit. So to say with an old friend, uh, <laughs> here's some new stuff. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Uh, and interestingly, it's his shortest album ever. So <laughs> I heard that. Very different for, for Dave and all of us. So, but uh, in the meantime, yeah, once again, have a really wonderful holiday and keep safe. And uh, we will be walking around the moon with you before you know it. Merry Christmas! <laughs> <laughs>